Lord Jesus Christ, you alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus, it's your voice that we need to hear this morning. Give us grace to hear your words, grace to receive them, and the grace to respond to them. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning to you. I wasn't with you last week uh, because I had accepted an invitation to preach just down Granny White here at Strong Tower Bible Church. Uh, there's been a friendship there that's been growing between me and the, the pastor there, uh, Dr. Uh, Chris Williamson, and we decided to do a bit of a pulpit exchange. I preached there last week, and Father, well, Father Chris, Pastor Chris, <laughs> he will be coming to preach to us next week. And it was just a wonderful time to be with another congregation and getting to join with them and worshiping God in a different way and following them. But one of the greatest gifts to me is that they, when they told me to preach, they said, would you please preach 30 minutes or longer? Or longer. Oh, the luxury of 30 minutes. And so I even cheated a little bit and decided, well, since they said I could preach on whatever passage I wanted, I decided to preach on this week's passage last week in preparation for this week. So it's not going to be 30 minutes or longer today. I have actually have just want to focus in on one sentence from Paul's passage uh, that we read this morning out of Romans. Uh, it's right there, page 7. I'm going to have you read it with me here in a moment. But this is what, what shines out for me out of this passage in Romans. And actually... All of Romans really has been building up to this moment. This is actually the, um, the completion, in a way, of the letter of Romans. What flows after this, he's winding things down. But here's what he wants us to pay attention to. Here's what he is bringing before us as the heart of the gospel. And it's this wonderful sentence here in Romans 7. It's in the middle of your, uh, the, the reading there that we have on page 7. Welcome one another, therefore... Just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. If you remember nothing else this morning, this is the sentence I want you to walk away with. So read it together with me, right there. Together. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And I just want to explore this sentence briefly with you this morning, just taking one phrase at a time, starting right in the middle there. Just as Christ has welcomed you, Jesus, this king that we are preparing for his birth and preparing for his second coming again, Jesus, the long-awaited king, welcomes you. What does this mean? How has Jesus welcomed you? How has he welcomed me? And again, remember, this is the culmination of Romans here. So Paul is drawing on everything that he's been teaching. And so I'm just going to take us back to Romans chapter 8. And because in there, I think we have the clearest picture of the way that Jesus has welcomed us. And I want to give you four words to frame the welcome of the king. This is four words for this. Jesus welcomes us with his grace. He welcomes us with a gift. He welcomes us into a family, and he welcomes us into his future. He welcomes us with grace and with a gift, and he welcomes us into a family and into his future. Just, I'm going to draw a few things out of Romans 8 here. With grace, 
one of my favorite verses in the whole of Scripture, 8, chapter 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus welcomes you. He welcomes me with forgiveness and freedom. When we come to Jesus and his arms are open wide, he welcomes us into his life and into relationship where there is no condemnation for any one of our failures, for any one of our sins, for any one of our wrongdoing. There's no condemnation there. There's no shame. There's no despising. There's no looking at us in a bad way for any of our brokenness, any of our failures. Because this is the power of the cross of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. All condemnation has been lifted from us. So when we enter into the embrace of Jesus, we enter into this space of complete freedom and lifting and forgiveness. And when we're talking of grace, that Jesus welcomes us with grace, it is actually even bigger than forgiveness. This is what I've come to realize. Forgiveness is the beginning of this relationship, this beginning of entering into the grace of God. Forgiveness opens up the door, it clears out the conduit for the grace of God to flow in our lives. There's a word picture there with grace, and it comes alive as you read through Romans 8. But the picture that's behind this word grace in both the Hebrew and the Greek is it's a bending over. It's this image of God bending over and reaching out and pouring out gifts into our lives, pouring out his faithfulness, pouring out his favor, pouring out his power so that he can move us from where we are into the fullness of who he has created us to be. This is grace. It's an energy. It's a movement. It's God bending over, reaching out, pouring himself out to move us into the fullness of who he's created us to be as individuals and as a community. That's grace. And the way that he does that is with a gift. It is with his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, uh, chapter, chapter 8, verse 11. Since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same spirit that we heard about in Isaiah out of the prophecy, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, into the fear of the Lord, that is the spirit that he gives to you, to me, to us. And the way that I think about this gift of the Holy Spirit is, it is the very presence of God in our lives and the very power of God in our lives. Everything that we walk through together, since we've been welcomed into the embrace of the Father, he's given us this gift of his presence in every moment of our lives. And the power to be able to grow into the fullness of what he is creating in you and me and our community. It's not something we do on our own. It's something that comes out of the gift of the spirit that he has given us into our lives. He welcomes us with grace. And he welcomes us with this gift of presence and power, his Holy Spirit. But this is Jesus. There's even more that he's doing here. He welcomes us into a family. Continuing on in Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry. Many of you know this verse. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. And if the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We haven't just been welcomed into an individual relationship, one-on-one with God, one-on-one with Jesus. That is a part of it. But we've been welcomed into something much bigger than that. We've been welcomed into the family of God, into the same family that God began when he made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of that that was given to Israel, we've been welcomed into that, into this family of God that he has been recreating for generations. And now we are a part of that family. We have a new identity. We have a new way of living, we have a new sense of belonging to something so much bigger, deeper, wider, higher than anything we've yet been a part of. We've been welcomed into the family of God. And we've been welcomed as being a part of this family into the future of God, the future that God has for us. Verse 17 And if we are children, or since we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. The things that are promised, all the goodness that is going to come to God in the future is going to come to us as his people, as his family, as his daughters and sons, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Here's more about this future. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I've talked before about what a bold statement I think this is that Paul would make. That the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The future, God's future, his glory, his goodness, the brightness of who he is and what he is doing is of such magnitude and beauty and worth that it's going to transform how we even see what we're experiencing in our personal lives, in our communal lives, in our national life, in our world today. We're going to see it with new eyes because of the coming goodness of God that is going to transform, that is going to redeem and remake all that we've experienced up to this point and beyond. The glory of God is coming. The future of this kingdom that is weaving together everything in goodness, justice, and delight, that is what we have been welcomed into. And it's something that is both coming toward us, and it's something that's begun even now because we have been welcomed into the embrace of the Father. All of this really is another way of saying that we have been welcomed into the life of Jesus and into the love of God. Which is why I think chapter 8 concludes with the, the, the verse that we know well about how nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the welcome that we have received from Jesus Christ. That we are welcomed with grace and we are welcomed with a gift. We are welcomed into a family and we are welcomed into God's future. We're welcomed into the life of Jesus and into the love of God. That's true. 
And so do you see how this deepens and widens the first phrase of the sentence? Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you. So we are called, right here in St. Bede's, the way that we are called to live together is to welcome one another in the same way that Jesus has welcomed us. So we're to welcome each other with grace, that this is to be a space where there is no condemnation, that this is a place where we receive each other as we are, where we are. It's a place where we can come with our brokenness and with our failures, and we don't receive condemnation, but we receive grace. We experience each other bending toward the other, reaching out, helping to create space for each one of us to become who it is that we are called to be. And we're to offer each other not just space, not just grace, but gifts. The gift that God gives us is the Holy Spirit, which is his presence and his power. And I think similarly for us, the gift then that we offer to each other is our presence with each other. Not just a, an embrace on Sunday morning, but the day-to-day -day present, presence of walking with each other through our lives together and offering each other the power that God has given us. The gifts, the talents, the resources, the time, the strength, the wisdom that each one of us has that's unique, we offer that as a gift to each other as we continue to grow into the fullness of who God has created us to be. We don't stop where we are. We're moving forward into something more, and we walk with each other into the fullness of that because we've also welcomed each other into a family. We're to be a family living life together belonging to each other. We no longer are on our own in this. We belong to one another, and we are part of the larger family of God, and we remind each other of this, that together we are moving into the fullness of what God is at work doing in this world and creating this family. We belong. We have a new identity. We have a new community that walks alongside us into God's future. We're not just about what's happening here at St. Bees. We're about something that is much bigger and broader and wider than that. As far as what God is doing in Nashville, what he's doing in our nation, what he's doing in our world. We're participating with bringing God's future into his present in anticipation of the time when Jesus himself will come and make it fully so. We're part of that future now together. We have a mission as the people of God out, that flows out of our worship of this God into this nation and into this world, bringing the future reality to become a present reality, even right now here at St. Bede's. And when we live together like this, welcoming one another with grace and with gifts into a family, into God's future, this is how God is glorified, which is the completion of the sentence that we have here. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. When we live life together this way, we reveal the true nature of God. We, re we reveal his, his character, his very heart. We reveal his very purpose. Grace and gifts, family and future woven together into this community of love that we are called to be as St. Bede's. But it isn't just about St. Bede's. It's not just God's heart for us here at the community. What we're doing is we're giving the world an understanding, even an experience, of what God intends for all of humanity. 
This is the heart of God, that all nations and all people would be welcomed by him through Jesus. And that out of that, we would begin to welcome each other into the life of Christ and into the love of God. And that's what the last part of this passage in Romans 15 is, is all about. That all the nations are going to be hoping in God's Messiah, experiencing and expressing the welcome of God. I'm not going to go through it and break it all down, but if you look at each one of those passages out of the Old Testament that Paul quotes, you realize that he's actually, from the Hebrew perspective, he's quoting something out of the entirety of the Hebrew Scriptures. He quotes out of the Torah, he quotes out of the writings, he quotes out of the prophets, demonstrating that the entire arc of history of what God is doing is to bring all nations into God's welcome, cultivating in them the capacity to welcome each other. And they are able to do this, the last part of that, the very last verse that he quotes is out of Isaiah, the very chapter that we read this morning, able to do this because Jesus has come. The root of Jesse, the branch of Jesse, the shoot of Jesse has come and is beginning to reign and rule among us because of his death and his resurrection and ascension. This very king whose birth we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks, whose second coming that we are preparing for now, this is why the welcome of God is possible. Which brings me to my closing thought and a final word on welcome. Jesus, the King, both is coming and has come. And he's present right now, knocking at our door. The Gospel of Jesus, when he, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what he says again and again, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Or the way that John, he says it to John in the Revelation of John, he says, Behold, I am standing at the door, knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. The cry of the prophets, like we heard in John the Baptist this morning, is to stop welcoming other things into our lives, to stop welcoming into our lives the things that push us away from God and push us away from each other, to stop, to repent, to turn and close the doors on those things, and to open the doors of our lives to Jesus, the King, to welcome him into our lives and then to find that we're drawn into the much wider welcome of God. So read with me one last time this sentence. This is a sentence for us in Advent here together as the people of St. Peter. Together, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For that to you in the name of Jesus.